Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Back when I was in sixth grade, I had a close-knit group of friends. There were four of us, and we were all girls, and we hung out all the time. Sleepovers were the norm for us, and we usually rotated houses, seeing that all our parents knew each other, and we all lived relatively close to each other, the furthest being about 10 minutes away. One particular sleepover, we were at my friend Caitlin's house, and two of her cousins just happened to also be sleeping over. Caitlin had two sisters and an older brother that were really nice and friendly. During our sleepovers, they usually just stayed in their rooms and would only come out for food, so we never really felt like we were imposing on them. Her brother would sometimes let us play with his PS2, and his sisters would talk to us about boys and high school gossip, which at the time we thought was really cool. Overall, Caitlin had a really great relationship with her siblings. I couldn't say the same for her cousins though. One of her cousins was in 8th grade, and she was closer in age to one of Caitlin's older sisters, who was a freshman in high school, so she was staying in her room. The other cousin was a boy, who was a junior in high school, and naturally, he stayed in Caitlin's brother's room. The girl was nice, but seemed a bit shy. The guy, however, just gave me the creeps. He was definitely more outgoing, but something about his mannerisms was strange, and when he smiled, it looked like he was smiling about something he thought in his head and not necessarily at you. He had shoulder length, stringy and greasy hair that was dirty blonde and was pretty scrawny for a guy's age. He looked like he could be a freshman in high school. Caitlin really seemed uncomfortable around him. Later on, we were in Caitlin's room. She told us that she just recently met her cousins because their mom and her mom had a falling out years before and weren't talking to each other. They recently reconnected so they thought it would be a good idea for Caitlin's aunt and her children to come visit for a weekend. Caitlin said that her female cousin was really nice, but that she thought the guy was weird. Ever since he got to the house, he's been trying to hang out with her instead of her brother. He would go into her room and go through her toys and books and try to make conversation with her. He was also kind of touchy. He would pet her cheeks and her hair. When she would flinch or move away from him, he would get this really cold look in his eyes and he would stare at her for a few seconds before smiling, that creepy smile he does. We all agreed that it was really weird but eventually moved on to other things and talked about the usual stuff 6th graders talk about. We ended up watching a movie before bed and took our turns going to the bathroom in the hallway that Caitlin shared with one of her sisters to brush her teeth. The oldest sister had her own bathroom in her room. Everyone called dibs on their turn, and since I didn't really care, I was the last one to go there. When my friend Lucia came back and told me that she was done, I was relieved because I was getting antsy and tired and just wanted to brush my teeth, lay in bed, and gossip until we fell asleep. I walked down the hallway and opened the door to the bathroom. I was so distracted I didn't even notice Caitlin's cousin in the bathroom until I turned the lights on. I quickly apologized and closed the door. At that point, I was just about to leave and run back to the room. He was in the freaking bathroom with the lights off. 
From what I could see before I shut the door, he was sitting on top of the closed toilet. Before I could leave, he opened the door, smiled at me, and told me to go ahead. I didn't really care about brushing my teeth at that point, but I didn't want to run away and provoke a reaction out of him. I entered the bathroom and immediately locked the door behind me. I quickly brushed my teeth and did my business. This is when things really got creepy for me. I opened the door and he was still standing there, waiting with a smile on his face. Let me walk you back to your room. I didn't even know what to say to that. I guess he took my silence as a yes, because before I knew it, he grabbed my right hand and was walking me back to Caitlin's room. His hands were warm and sweaty, even though he didn't look like he was sweating or remotely warm. I felt so numb, and I could hear my own breathing. I honestly felt like I was going to pass out. I swear that hallway has never felt so long. When I got to the room, he looked over my hand and said goodnight, going back to the bedroom he was staying in which we passed before we got to Caitlin's room. I walked back inside and I guess I was making a face because all my friends came up to me and asked me what was wrong. I told them what happened and they all agreed that it was super weird and Caitlin said she would talk to her mom in the morning. I was hoping it would end there, but it didn't. As a rule, we weren't allowed to lock doors during sleepovers. It's usually fine, but not in this instance. I had to have been sleeping for a few hours when Caitlin was shaking me awake. Apparently she had been up for a while and with me being the closest to her, I was the first one she ran to. She then told me with her voice shaking that her cousin had opened the door twice to her room and would stare in the room for almost a full minute before quietly closing the door. I was really frightened when I heard this. He was just watching us sleep throughout the night. I agreed to jump into Caitlin's bed with her and waited. It didn't even take that long when I heard the door open. Both of us just froze and stared straight at the door. There was no light in the hallway, so the only source of light in that room was from the moon outside, but we could still see a silhouette of someone's head peeking in through the door. We could feel his eyes on us, and he was just staring into the darkness of Caitlin's room for a few seconds. We were trying not to move so that he didn't know we were awake, but it didn't matter. He let some air out of his nose, as if he was trying not to laugh. Hey, Caitlin, he whispered, and then just closed the door. Caitlin looked like she wanted to cry. She grabbed onto me and we just held each other and waited until he decided to come back. He never ended up coming back, though. I guess it wasn't as fun since he knew we were awake. We never ended up going back to sleep that night, though. The next day, my mom came to get me pretty early, and I said my goodbyes. I was glad Caitlin's cousin was still asleep. When I saw Caitlin in school, I asked her what happened when I left. She said she told her mom, and her mom was really concerned and said she would talk to the aunt. I guess she told my mom about what happened to me too because she asked me about it later on and was prying to see if anything else happened to me. After that, she made sure that Caitlin's cousins were not around before allowing me to sleep over at their place. She didn't have to worry though because they never came back to visit after that. I don't know if Caitlin's mom had another falling out with her sister, or if she just never invited them back to the house, but Caitlin's creepy cousin, let's not meet ever again. This story took place in early 2017. 
I had recently moved from a major city to a small town in the Midwest to get myself together and separate myself from bad habits I had developed. Previously, I had been living on the West Coast and worked for a couple who were pot farmers, just trimming their weed for one season with a few other trimmers. Nothing major stuck out to me other than the guy who was in his mid-30s was a major asshole and super protective of his weed. His girlfriend was someone I wouldn't normally get along with, but she was alright. So I trimmed their weed for that season and they paid me a portion up front. He said the rest would come after they sold a few pounds or whatever, because that's just how the business went. They did end up paying me within a few weeks, so all was good with me. However, the man here kept texting me after I moved mid-country with random, Hey, how are you doing? I never liked the guy, got bad vibes from the get-go, but his girlfriend was a friend of a close friend, so I sort of gave them the benefit of the doubt. Anyway, the girlfriend started messaging me via text, nearing spring, after I had worked for them trimming their weed that fall season, asking if I would be available to house it for them while they were on vacation out of the country. At this point, I was living in Colorado, and the farm was in California. I did not have a permanent job set up yet, and they were offering good money to house it, plus make some extra money trimming weed that they had left over from the season. Stupidly, I drove my ass 17 hours with dollar signs in my eyes, and all was hell from there. They lived in a full house with a gardener's quarters attached to their main house. There's one bedroom and one bathroom, an electric stove, kettle, kitchen area in the gardener's bedroom. There's also a doorway from this area into the main house, blocked by a bookshelf on my side. When they invited me to stay in house sit, they were there for two or three days and part of their stay included drilling the door shut on the opposite side so that I could not enter their house. But that didn't bother me and I honestly understood why they would want to lock up their house but things got really freaking weird afterwards. I had been there alone for a few days, trimming, walking the dogs, filling the hummingbird feeders, watching the house like I was supposed to. The girlfriend would call from Morocco every so often to check up on me. I thought everything was fine until I started hearing water running from the kitchen inside of the house, the part of the house that I had no access to, but was directly connected to. I immediately called the couple and told them that I could hear someone in their house. Their response was literally, It's none of your concern what you hear on the other side of the wall. This turned my stomach. I was in the middle of nowhere, locked by a gate on the property, hired to house it, and all of a sudden it was not my concern if someone was inside their place. It freaked me out. I still had two more weeks to be at this place, and I was properly freaked the fuck out. Over the next few days, I'd feel scared and calm in waves. At one point, I was sitting outside with the dogs and they ran up to the side of the house, wagging their tails like they were greeting someone and I heard a very quiet, shh, and then footsteps patter off. I continued to hear the TV, microwave, water running in the main part of the house. The language the girlfriend was using with me via text was too personal in regard to what I was doing. I mean, sure, they could have had a camera installed, although I searched the room for any devices, but the sounds and even the dog reacting to what I heard was enough for me. Once I realized that I was house-sitting, but also being spied on in some weird way, I started to have fun with it. I don't know if I figured that I was going to die anyway, 
Or maybe if I acted crazy enough, they wouldn't want me for whatever their purpose was. But one night, I was out on the small porch steps, having a very late cigarette. It had to be close to midnight, and I could hear someone walking around the perimeter of the house. So I stood up, opened the door to the gardener's quarters, and closed the door, as if I had walked back inside. But in reality, I just opened the door and closed it, keeping my position with a cigarette on the porch. Immediately, someone walked from the side of the house because they thought I was inside. They noticed me and ran into the woods. In my mind, I set a teeny trap to see if I was delusional, and it had proved that I wasn't. So I started doing crazy dumb stuff because I was alone. Nothing too wild. I just blasted Backstreet Boys, set their garage cans up like a drum set, and walked around topless. Honestly, I thought if these people were crazy enough to be fucking watching me while I house it for them, I had to do something more ridiculous to push them away. Maybe that doesn't make sense, but I can't help but reference the Hey Arnold episode where the bully is after him and he says, Don't hit me. I'll hit me. I'm crazy. Anyway, the couple finally came back to their house from Morocco and acted like they didn't want to pay me. They did, after some pulling and tugging, but fuck. Don't ever go house hit and not really know the people you're house hitting for in the Emerald Triangle. Or just don't even go there. It's really shady business. It was about two years ago on a very hot night. It's very safe where I live and I went to buy some stuff at a supermarket at dusk. When I left the shop, it was quite dark. It gets dark suddenly in the tropics. It's only about a five minute walk home, but I was feeling uneasy. I kept stopping and turning to look behind me. Nobody, but the road was dimly lit and there are a lot of bushes, easy for someone to hide. I kept walking with this gnawing sense of unease and I still kept looking behind me. I gratefully reached home, put it out of mind, cooked dinner, watched TV, etc. About midnight, I went to lay down on my bed. I'm an insomniac, so I just lay there with the lights on and I started to read. I heard a creaking sound above my head. My bedroom window makes a lot of noise, but I was too scared to look. Nothing happened. However, I am now on high alert. Moments later, I heard a smashing noise in the kitchen. I froze. My bedroom door was open and as I said, the light was on. I heard some noises in the living room and pretended to be asleep. After a short time, I heard the click of the front door being opened. Someone had let themselves out. This was around 2.30 a.m. 2.45 a.m. I'm convinced that I'm alone and I called the police. 3.15 a.m. I called them again. 3.45 a.m. I rang them again. They told me that they only had two officers that night and that they were busy. 4.20 a.m. They arrived and asked me what the problem was. I rattled off my story. They didn't even bother to look at the broken window. All they said was, it does sound suspicious, and then left. As it stood, the person had taken my bag from my chair in my room, and yes, I had quite a bit of money in it, as I was planning to buy some furniture. I do believe that someone noticed me in the supermarket that night, followed me home, checked my bedroom window to see if I was asleep, then did their deed. I thank God that I wasn't harmed in any way. Even if I somehow managed to call the cops, screaming and begging for help, no one would have cared. 
So grateful I'm here, unharmed and alive. I live in a remote mountain area. About nine years ago, I was sitting at my computer at 2 a.m. when the side door got kicked in. The local meth head came through the door, pulling a revolver out of his shoulder holster. I picked up my Colt 44, cowboy gun, that I kept on my desk and put a slug right through his belly button from across the house. He fell outside so he didn't bleed in my house. I shot him there because I didn't want to kill him, but I knew from training that an abdominal shot was the most painful. A deputy and ambulance arrived about 45 minutes later. The deputy commented on my marksmanship, admired my gun, made in 1871, wrote a report and left. Six months later, he died from a meth-induced heart attack. Good riddance. When I was 26, my parents were on holiday. I went over to their house every day to feed the cat. One Friday, my husband was away doing a gig, so I waited until he left before going to the house. I got there around 6 p.m. The area that my parents live was not a good one. There was a very large council estate right next to where they lived. Due to all the attempted break-ins, every internal door in the house could be locked. The doors were all heavy and inset into deep frames. I unlocked the front door, then unlocked the door leading into the kitchen. As I opened it, I noticed the drawers were opened and there was stuff all over the floor. I heard movement, so I quickly relocked the door before letting myself into the living room and calling the police. I explained that I was in the house, the burglar was still in the house with me. They said that they would send someone over as soon as they could. An hour later, I rang again. I was so frightened if they were still in the kitchen. I sat there with a pair of scissors in my hand, not sure what I was planning to do with them but they made me feel a bit safer. It was about two and a half hours later when the police finally arrived. It turned out the burglar had removed the kitchen window and frame. The police reckoned it would have been very noisy and would have taken a while. They said forensics would have to come to take the fingerprints, but that they were currently very busy. It took two days for forensics to come by and it had rained heavily in the meantime, so forensics didn't get anything useful. This happened nearly 30 years ago. The burglar was never caught, but the large council estate has been pulled down and there's much less antisocial behavior. This happened back in 2008 and to this day, I don't know if the person who broke in fully realizes how close she came to losing her life. In 2008, when I was 37, I had moved back home to take care of my dying mother and stayed there after she passed. It was a fairly small country town and the house was in a rural area, very low crime rate and I can't even remember if I locked the doors during the daytime if someone was home. It was a fairly large ranch style house with my room being at the very back and my dad's on the other side of the house. My father was a pastor for our church. One Sunday morning I was really tired and just didn't feel like going. My pops left and I was enjoying laying in bed watching TV on super low volume with my eyes closed. About 30 minutes later I heard noises from the other side of the house that just weren't quite right. I laid there super still for a few seconds, just listening, 
trying to figure out what the noise was, and then heard quiet footsteps. It hit me that someone was there that shouldn't be. We've always had a few firearms in the house for personal protection, for scenarios just like this. I got my loaded 45 from my nightstand and very quickly made my way through the house. Then I was finally able to see there was someone in my dad's room. His dresser had a cabinet type door on it and they were open. In a fast second I saw two legs of someone bent over going through his stuff. My gun was drawn down and aimed with my finger on the trigger when the intruder's head popped out overlooking the doors. Not knowing what to expect, I was ready to fire, but I recognized the face. It was the gal that cleaned our house off and on, and her husband was a nice guy from our church. Turns out she had a drug problem, and she knew that my dad had pain meds in his dresser from when he broke his hip. I yelled so loudly at her. What do you think you're doing? Do you know how close you just came to getting shot? She gave me some lame story and excuse about her being in the area and that she had a piece so she came to our house, thought we were at church. But she also needed a t-shirt so she came looking for one of my dad's and she knocked my dad's pill bottle over by accident. Yeah okay, makes no sense whatsoever. I told her again that she almost got killed, that I was told to never point a gun at anything if I didn't intend on killing it and that this gun was pointed right at her. She was damn lucky that I recognized her in that split second. She kept apologizing and begging me not to call the cops or tell her husband. I told her to get out of my house. She left in tears and I sat on the couch trying to process everything that just happened. It was scary and infuriating at the same time and just left me with a crappy feeling. I told my dad when he got home. He was not happy for sure, but he had a meeting with her. Apparently, she admitted to everything and her problem, admitted to her husband a few days later, and went to rehab. I was living in Cape Cod year-round in a house that had been converted to three apartments. Because this was such a popular vacation destination, parking was at a premium. My apartment had five spaces, one for me, two for the mother and daughter who lived in the downstairs portion of the house, and two people who lived in the upstairs in the front. I was in the upstairs rear by the parking. One night, I get home to find a party raging in the rental house next door. A common occurrence in the summer, as almost all these houses in the neighborhood were summer rentals. I see that both my downstairs neighbors are home, and one of my upstairs neighbors was home. However, a strange car was parked in one of the spaces, I parked in my usual space and went upstairs. I later looked out the window to find that one of my neighbors had returned and parked behind the strange car boxing it in. About 2 in the morning I was asleep when I heard something wrong. I realized I hear boots coming across the stairs into my apartment. The downstairs door was locked but it had to be closed in a very specific way or the lock didn't catch. I had never reported this as I live in a very safe upscale area. A lesson I have now learned. I honestly didn't think this was real until I saw the cat run and dive under the bed and realized that someone was definitely in my apartment. This was a large studio apartment so there was only one L-shaped room and nowhere to hide. It's interesting because you can plan on how you would act in the moment but when it actually happens everything is just instincts. I just pulled the covers over me and said, Hello? 
I literally greeted the intruder politely. He started yelling incoherently and he bumped into the table and knocked over a vase. I got my phone and was trying to decide if I should run past him into the bathroom and lock myself in when I heard someone else running upstairs. The guy yelling, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, he's drunk and got away from me. The second guy started dragging the first guy out but then asked me if I could move my car because he was blocking them in. I told him that's not my car, it was from the front apartment. They leave and I heard them walk around front and pound on the door. I then hear a very heated argument which ends with the police being called. I talked to my neighbor the next day and he was fuming. He called the rental company that handled most of the houses in the neighborhood and from then on, renters were told that they would be towed if they used our parking area. After it was all over, it surprised me how long it took me to stop shaking. Even though it wasn't a dangerous situation, my adrenaline levels didn't know that. And just so you're aware, I never walked up the stairs without double checking that lock ever again. I wasn't home alone, but I was a kid and asleep. Our house had two stories. The first story was the main house and the second story had been built above the separated garage. Between them, a set of doors had been built and it closed so that you would have to walk under the stairs to walk in between the two buildings. You had to be careful to stay on the garage side of the passageway so you didn't hit your head because you were passing under the slope of stairs. Our backyard was fenced and a gate from the driveway led to the passageway under the stairs. Our normal way to get into the house was not from the front door. We would get out of the car, go through the gate, greet our dog, go under the passageway, then turn left into the kitchen door. My dad was the sheriff's deputy, so the front door was bolted and chained, and the kitchen door always had a bolt. But because he was a cautious man, my dad never wanted us to accidentally get locked out of the house, so we hid a spare key in the freezer in the garage. We were strongly cautioned never to tell anyone about the key or let them see us use it. Although we spent most of our time downstairs during the day, we all slept upstairs at night. My bedroom was the furthest from the stairs. One night I was dead asleep and suddenly I jolted awake. Something had run across my hand. I ran out of my room. Mom, Dad, a rat just ran across my bed. They were instantly awake and we all went back into my room to see what it was. There, sitting on my pillow, was my brother's hamster. His cage was downstairs. How did he get up there? My brother swore he had locked the cage before he went to bed, but here the hamster was. He picked up the hamster, and we all went downstairs to see what happened, except for my sister, who just went back to bed. Sure enough, the cage in the living room was open. We put him back and closed the cage door. Suddenly, my mom had a funny look on her face. Why is the kitchen light on? My dad put his hand out to tell us to stay back, then crept into the kitchen. He yelled back to us, The back door is open. At that moment, my sister came flying downstairs. Someone just ran out of the gate. She had heard the gate slam. My dad bolted out the door to catch whoever it was, but they were long gone already. None of us slept for the next hour, trying to figure out what had happened. My parents probably didn't sleep all night after reclosing and locking the kitchen door and putting us back to bed. 
The best we can figure is one of us somehow let someone know about the key, although all of us denied it. The person had been at our house before because the dog hadn't barked. Maybe it was a kid because nothing was stolen and the hamster cage was open. We never did figure out. Needless to say, my dad moved the key to another hiding place. I was house and dog sitting for my sister when I took her dog Bailey out back for the last time before heading to bed. My sister's house is a townhouse that's connected on both sides in a long line of townhomes. In the back was a long, fairly narrow strip of grass running along the homes, then a large field with long grass and weeds. So, condos, grass, then field, no fence or any structures for about a mile. I was enjoying the evening air. It was probably around 10.30pm and was completely dark outside. Not feeling weary of anything at all. All was quiet except for Bailey. After about two minutes when Bailey had done her business, I called her back and went inside. Out of habit, I immediately locked the door behind me. We walked across the room to go upstairs with Bailey right ahead of me. Right as I walked behind the wall that separated the view from our back door, I heard the doorknob jiggle. I froze. Doorknob jiggled again. I waited a few more seconds just so I could be 100% sure and heard a definite sound of the metal jiggling and someone trying to get inside. I bolted upstairs where Bailey already was, still completely unaware of the situation. I hid in the closet and called the police. They showed up a while later, searched the area and couldn't find anything and told me that it was probably someone who was actually trying to get into a home a few houses down that was having a party, most likely an honest mistake. They treated me nicely, but they clearly thought I was just a scared girl who was overthinking things from being alone in the house. They left, and my brother and his friends drove an hour and a half so they could stay the night with me. If I had been who I am now, I probably would have given the police at least a little pushback. I don't think they could have done much past searching the area they did, but I would have told them that they were wrong. It was not an honest mistake. Someone was definitely trying to get into the house after they saw me out there alone. The fact that I was a 19 year old, 100 pound girl by myself with a very sweet but very dumb and not intimidating dog at all. I was outside there for a long enough time that if someone was nearby me, they would have been intentionally keeping themselves quiet. It took me about 10 seconds to cross the room out of view after coming back inside. That means the person had to be close enough to me and almost definitely watching me when I crossed behind the wall out of view to try to open the door within 10 seconds. Can't imagine that someone sees a small woman by herself, doesn't make themselves known, and tries to follow her back inside the home as pure intentions. I look back and just cringe at what could have happened if I hadn't locked the door behind me right away. This was in 2011. I'm female and was 22 at the time. A year after I graduated college, I was living in my first apartment with a friend. I had adopted the sweetest dog I've ever had, a run-of-the-litter Pomeranian who literally loved every person she ever met. My nephew was young at the time and would sometimes handle her a little too roughly. Sweet kid, we'd always correct him, but he didn't quite realize how little she was under all that fur but she tolerated it without ever nipping or anything. 
One day, my roommate was gone, and there was a knock at the door. It was a handyman who said that he was there for an annual check on the appliances. He was wearing the apartment complex standard uniform and had a badge, so I didn't really think twice about it, even though I hadn't been notified that this would be happening. And upon following up, he did really work there. He comes in and begins chatting and sort of leering. I felt uncomfortable, but not nearly as freaked out as when my dog came rushing in between us, ears back, teeth bared, and started growling at him. He kind of awkwardly laughed and went to go pet her. Odd choice for a dog that's baring his teeth at you. She immediately lunged forward like she was going to bite him. He leaped back before she could. Tiny dog, large man, but he obviously was freaked out. At this point, she's straight up barking at him. He asked if I could put her away while he worked and I lied and said she has separation anxiety. So I recommended that he would come back another time when I could walk her or when my roommate was there so one of us could be in the room with her. He never did come back. You hear about dogs being able to read people so while I don't know if he would have done anything to me while on company hours, I still think she could sense that he wasn't a good person. She was a good girl. Last night, I was soundly sleeping in bed when I suddenly jolted awake to a loud noise coming from downstairs. It sounded like someone had broken a window and was trying to force a way into my home. Panicking, I grabbed my phone and dialed 911, then hid in the closet and waited for the police to arrive. As I crouched down in the darkness, I could hear his footsteps coming up the stairs. My heart was pounding in my chest and I was wondering if the intruder would find me. Suddenly, I heard a loud crash and the sound of glass breaking. I realized the intruder had found their way into my bedroom. I could feel my body shaking with fear as the intruder was moving closer and closer to my hiding spot. I didn't know what to do, but I knew I had to be ready to defend myself. Just as I was about to jump out of the closet and confront the intruder, I heard the sound of the police sirens outside. The intruder must have heard them too because he quickly fled the scene. When the police arrived, they searched the house and the surrounding area, but no intruder was there to be found. They took my statement and made sure that I was safe before leaving. I'm now taking precautions to secure my home, including installing a security system and getting a dog. It was a frightening experience, but it taught me the importance of being prepared and taking steps to protect myself and my home. I'm also having someone come out to replace the door today, and this time it will not have a window. I'm a female and this happened last year. I was watching TV in my living room when I heard a strange noise coming from the basement. At first I dismissed it as just the house settling, but then I heard the noise again and it sounded like someone was moving around down there. Feeling uneasy, I grabbed the flashlight and cautiously made my way to the basement door. As I descended the stairs, I could hear the sound of someone shuffling around and my heart began to raise. When I reached the bottom of the stairs, I panned my flashlight around the room and was startled to see an intruder crouch behind some boxes, rifling through my belongings. I froze, not knowing what to do. The intruder looked up and saw me, and I could see the fear in his eyes as he scrambled to his feet and tried to run past me. A side note, I should mention this. I'm an amateur boxer and well-versed in self-defense. I wasn't about to let him get away that easily. I tackled the intruder and wrestled them to the ground. We struggled for what felt like an eternity, 
but eventually I managed to pin him down and call the police. When the police arrived, they arrested the intruder and took him away in handcuffs. It turned out that the intruder was a homeless man who had been looking for a place to sleep and had broken into my basement. That made me feel kind of bad. After the incident, I installed better locks on the basement door, including a deadbolt. I'm a male and I'm 21. I was home alone in my apartment studying for an upcoming exam. It was late and I was starting to feel tired, so I decided to take a break and make myself a cup of tea. As I was waiting for the water to boil, I heard a strange noise outside my apartment. It sounded like someone was fidgeting with a doorknob. At first, I thought it might be my neighbor, so I went to the door and called out, Hello? But there was no answer. I started to feel a little uneasy. I double-checked the locks on the door and went back to the kitchen, but then I heard the noise again and this time, it was louder. My heart started racing as I realized someone was trying to break into my apartment. I could hear the intruder moving around my patio, knocking over furniture, and rummaging through my little storage space. I felt trapped and terrified, but I knew I needed to stay calm and get the police on the line. After what felt like an eternity, I heard him dash off. I went to go look at the people and I saw red and blue lights flashing. They searched the area, but the man was never caught. In the aftermath, I felt violated. The next day, I talked to the manager of the apartment buildings. They plan on putting up cameras in the next few weeks, so hopefully this will deter the guy from coming back. All in all, all he stole was my cigarettes and my lighter. But if my door hadn't been locked, what would have happened? At around noon yesterday, my ring camera at my back door picked up someone entering my gated back patio. They walked to the far corner of my paved area, took a picture of my ring and the area surrounding my back door, and then left. My roommate left around 11.30 and saw lawn care at our building. We live in a three-building townhome complex. There seemed to be some sort of lawn equipment left outside the gate when the man entered. He may have been instructed by the supervisor to take a photo for some reason. I contacted property management and am waiting to hear back from maintenance on if he was okayed by a supervisor. Wondering if anyone's encountered something like this, the steps they took to resolve it, and what the outcome was. I'd like to preface this by saying my husband is an electrical engineer and I am a teacher. We're not crazy people. So, back when my husband and I were dating, my husband was in a terrible car crash. His truck hit black ice and he slid onto oncoming traffic. His truck was completely totaled, so was the other truck he hit. The weird thing though, both he and the other guy were completely fine, not a scratch on them. All my husband had was a bruise on his knee. The first responders were baffled, as was the towing company and insurance when they realized no one had died or was severely injured. Fast forward to a few days after the crash, my husband comes over to my apartment. We're having a conversation about a university class we're both in and he casually asked me when I got a flat screen TV sitting on my dresser. At this point, I was very confused because I had this little flat screen since I was 13 and had it the entire year we had been dating. Asked him what he was talking about. He told me to quit pulling his leg and asked me what I did with the old tube TV. 
I had no idea what he was talking about and told him so. He was convinced I had a tube TV. I proceeded to go on Facebook and showed him the pictures we had taken two weeks prior with a TV in the background. It's a flat screen in the picture. My husband goes white like he has seen a ghost and stares into space for a minute. His eyes start to water. I ask him what is wrong and he said, I swear to God, I'm not crazy. You've had a tube TV since we started dating. It was a tube TV when we took that picture. I brushed it off as him being rattled from the accident and he didn't bring it up again. However, anytime we hung out in my room, he'd always look at the TV weird. Fast forward seven years, my husband and I have been married for a few years and decided that we were ready to be parents. I'm not on birth control and we decided whatever happens, happens. We're not actively trying, but not preventing it either. So we're on vacation in Italy, wandering around Rome, and I feel like shit. I had had my period that week before, and it was one of the worst I've had in my whole life. As we were walking around, I'm suffering from back pain, chills, and horrific cramping. I go to the bathroom in the cafe and hurl my guts out, have diarrhea, and realize I'm menstruating heavily. Obviously, I'm weirded out since I just had my period that week before. I clean myself up and go back to my husband and tell him I think we need a doctor. I have a pretty high pain tolerance, but this is insane. It's getting to the point that I'm having trouble walking and I start feeling pain in my shoulders. I don't want to ruin our vacation, but I'm starting to really worry. My husband is smarter than me, sees the state I'm in and says I'm visibly paler than when I went to the bathroom and gets me help. 20 minutes later, I'm on a stretcher being taken to the hospital. An hour after that, I'm being prepped for emergency surgery as the doctor tells me I have a ruptured ectopic pregnancy. I have heavy internal bleeding and if he doesn't perform the surgery, I'm gonna die. Six hours later, I wake up very sore and tired. The doctor tells me I'm very lucky and if I had waited any longer to seek medical attention, I'd be dead. My husband stays with me in the hospital the first night, then gets a hotel for the rest of my stay. A week later, we're cleared to fly home and I go through a grueling month of healing from the surgery. Two months after our return, somehow my husband and I get on the topic of fires and he goes on about the dangers of kitchen fires and I say, no need to worry, we're all set with an extinguisher in the closet. He looks at me like I have three heads and asks me what I'm talking about. I remind him about the extinguisher in the front closet where we keep our coats. We've had it for three years. He insisted we buy one when we bought our house. My husband shakes his head and tells me that he has no idea what I'm talking about and we don't have a fire extinguisher. I remind him about not only the memories of us fighting about if we really needed one, where to put it, buying it from Home Depot, but also installing it on the wall in the closet. He looks at me with confusion and tells me none of that happened. I get up, go to the front closet, all while cursing at him for being an asshole for forgetting our two-week fight about it, and lo and behold, no extinguisher. Not only is there no extinguisher, but there's no holes in the wall where I know we installed it. No fresh paint. The wall has never been touched. I insist he's moved it and fixed the wall, and he asked me why the fuck would he play such a stupid prank. He continues to insist we've never had one, let alone talking about getting one. This goes on for several minutes. I'm approaching hysterics. 
Come to quit playing games when he finally says, Now you know how I feel about the TV. We didn't speak about this for a long time. Then after I found this thread, he brought up this theory that perhaps in another timeline or dimension, whatever you want to call it, we both actually died and we reset like a video game and the TV and extinguisher are glitches. I don't know if I agree with him. All I know is I've never been so rattled in my life and every time I get something from that closet and I'm overwhelmed with this feeling of wrongness. I know it should be there, but somehow it's just not. I can't explain it. He says he will go to the grave swearing I had a tube TV. I think my husband actually experienced a reality shift or a matrix glitch because of some of the things he's mentioned to me lately about small things. He actually told me about the actual glitch that he knows happened, but he says that after that there have been things that are weird to him that he's been noticing. We're both pretty big into weird things like glitches in the matrix and paranormal things, but he never expected to experience one of his own. I guess I should start with the actual glitch that my husband experienced. He and my son were out picking up food from the grocery store for dinner, which is not something he normally has to do, nor does he volunteer to do it. However, on that specific day, he had actually mentioned that he wanted to go to the store, and my son wanted to go with him, so they went out together. Fine by me, one less thing I have to do in the end. He told me that, while they were there, they were walking around grabbing things and they went down the aisle with the condiments. He had grabbed a bottle of mustard, because we were out, and then moved on to the next aisle to get something, when my son randomly remembered that we were also out of ketchup, because he had used the last of it the day before on his spaghetti. I know that's weird, don't ask. I'm not going to question him on why he puts ketchup on spaghetti. Anyways, my husband says that he'll go grab it, and tells my son to stay there since it was only an aisle away. He headed over to get it, and he said that it wasn't there, which made no sense, since it was the same aisle that they had just gone down. He then looked up, and he noticed that he was actually in the bread aisle, about two aisles down the store. He mentioned that he had somehow literally walked one aisle over, but then ended up three aisles away from where he started. He even verified this by walking back to where the condiments were, and going one more aisle and making sure that our son was still standing there, and he was. Obviously this makes no sense, and he says that it felt like he had almost somehow teleported to the bread aisle. But he moved on, grabbed the ketchup, and then finished shopping, and was just super excited to tell me about what he experienced. Well, that's not where the weirdness ends. He said that now there are strange little things that are different that he's struggling to accept. The first thing he mentioned was my laptop. I do work as a graphic designer, and I work for a small company that does visual designs for larger corporations. Because of COVID, my position is now a fully remote one, and I have a room dedicated to being my office, 
which is a room that the other two typically don't go into. The other day, I was working on something, and my husband had to come in to tell me something else, and as soon as he walked up to my desk, he paused, and started staring at my work computer. I asked him what was going on, and he asked me where my MacBook was. I have literally never used a Mac. I don't personally like the operating system on Apple computers, and have always had a standard, Windows-based laptop. I told him this, and he responded with, No, you had a MacBook Pro. I remember you and me sitting down to look at what you could order through your work, and we chose a really beefy Mac because that's what they wanted you to have. I recall the conversation you had with your boss where they told you the whole team was moving to Apple computers and you were upset about it. I told him that that had never happened and I had no idea what he was talking about. We had a small argument about it, nothing too severe, just a disagreement, and we moved on. One of the other events that happened was when we went to order pizza last weekend. My husband was asking what we wanted, and my son said that he wanted pepperoni. My husband immediately stopped and just stared at him like he had grown a third arm or something, he then started going on about how much my son hated pepperoni, and said that he always asked for a cheese pizza, extra cheese, add chicken. My son has no memory of ever asking for this, and as far back as I can remember, my son has always loved pepperoni. Obviously, this was another thing that upset my husband, but we got our pizza and we moved on. I actually had a conversation with him about all this, and he told me that there are other small things that have been eating away at him that have changed. Things like the neighbor's cars are different from what he remembers, and one of the neighbors seems to live in a different house than what he remembered. He also mentioned that he was confused that I had eaten clams the other day, since he swears I was allergic to shellfish. There were a few other things about our son and about our home that he said felt different, I tried to talk to him about them, but I can tell that it's really upsetting him. And he then mentioned that he thinks he's either losing it, or he has shifted to a different existence. Obviously, nothing seems out of place for me, other than his behavior and how he's feeling and acting about things. For the record, he has no mental health issues, he doesn't use drugs or drink, and he hasn't suffered any injuries and all of these things just started happening after he had that weird event at the grocery store. So this actually happened last week. It just took some time to come to terms with it. I got a phone call from a next door neighbor late in the evening asking if I could help him move his mattress into his upstairs. His mom is ill and has a big heavy sleep number bed. I, of course, ran over to help because they're great neighbors. I get over there and his friend, who is also a priest, was there to help. I helped him figure out how to separate the mattress from the bed so we could fit it upstairs. We get it all moved up and back in place when my neighbor asked if I could help move the armoire upstairs too. I think nothing of it and we pull it out of his travel trailer and start bringing it up the front stairs of his house. 
The front stairs are 11 steps. I was on the lower end of the armoire, about 6 steps up, when my neighbor and his friend lose the handle and it comes crashing down on me and I fall backwards towards the pavement. I then wake up in my dining room to my phone ringing and my wife asking me if I was going to answer the phone. It's my neighbor asking if I could help move the bed upstairs for his mom. I go over and meet the priest's friend again and this has been the first time I met him. I say I could help you with the bed, but I cannot help you with the armoire. My neighbor was like, how'd you know about the armoire? I then proceeded to tell him that I'm pretty sure I just died. I spent the next hour talking to the priest. He had so many questions. My neighbor didn't believe it until I described the upstairs bedroom in perfect detail, down to the metal material frame on the floor and the intricate headboard leaning against the wall, and I had never been upstairs in the house before. The priest told me what I saw after I died. I told him I never actually died. Before it happened, I woke up at my dining room table. About 10 years ago, I used to work for a small call center that did tech support for some smaller internet service providers throughout the country. The call center was 24 by 7, and it was probably the most stressful job I've ever had. But it paid the bills, and in the end, working nights meant that I could still go to school. So I pretty much just kept with it and did my best. Working the night shift meant that you knew everyone that you worked with, because there were only a handful of you there at any point in time. So when we got a new guy, it was almost an event because it was such a rarity. My glitch actually involves a new employee that we got, and it wasn't just the fact that he was new to the company that makes me remember the situation. It's that he had an accent. On that night that he started, he was introduced, and I was over the moon because he actually had a very thick Irish accent. He and I chatted a bit during the introduction, and come to find out he was from Ireland, and he had moved to the US about 20 or so years prior. He told me about his home life, his family, basically everything that a quick introduction could entail. I remember even commenting that I loved his accent, because it was one of those things that I said that was weird, and I caught it after I said it. I apologized to him after saying it, basically fessing up to the fact that I shouldn't have said it, and he laughed and told me it was totally fine. After we chatted for a few minutes, he got pulled away from his spot to shadow one of the other techs so we could explain a few things to him, which was basically all of the training that you got there. He told me that he'd see me around, and I went back to work. The night ended, I went home. Everything was pretty normal. The next night, I actually looked around for him, but I didn't see him, so I assumed they either had him shadowing someone else, he was in training with the manager, or he may have had the day off. The next day was the same. He was nowhere to be found. On the third day, I was a bit upset, thinking that he may have decided that this job just wasn't for him and didn't come back. I actually went over to the night manager and asked him if the man had quit, and he asked me who I was talking about. 
I said, you know, the guy that just started, he had a really thick Irish accent. He stared at me like I was insane and said that no one had been hired in the last couple weeks, much less anybody from Ireland. I stood there literally describing this guy, how tall he was, how he looked, his backstory. None of it rang any bells with the manager. I thought that he was messing with me, so I shouted for the other tech that the guy had shadowed, and he had no idea who I was talking about. I asked a few of the other guys, and they too told me that they did not remember a man with an Irish accent ever starting. I was the only one who remembered this man, apparently. Nobody that worked our shift had heard of a man with an Irish accent. None of them had any memory of this guy ever existing with me being the only exception. I guess it is possible that they were all just messing with me, but to get that many guys to just pretend that somebody didn't exist for the fun of it, that would have been quite a feat. It was honestly really upsetting too, because he seemed like a cool dude, and I would have loved to have been friends with the guy. A couple years ago, I lost a ring my grandma gave me for Christmas. I wore that ring 24-7 and rarely took it off. However, when I did take it off, I always put it in the same place so I wouldn't lose it. This ring meant a lot to me since, sadly, my grandma passed away from cancer shortly after. One day, I remember looking down at my hand and starting to panic because the ring wasn't on my finger. Before getting really upset, I went and checked the usual spot where I put it but it wasn't there. I remember telling my family and having them search the whole house. Anyways, I lost it a couple weeks before Christmas, so they told me that they would give me another. After they told me this, I went down to my basement to do my wash, and when I was putting my clothes in the dryer, I felt something hit me in the head and fall onto the floor in front of me. Lo and behold, it was my ring. It literally fell out of thin air. I told myself it was a little message from my grandmom, but it was one of the weirdest things. Still to this day, I think about it. About two weeks ago, I was driving home from a friend's house in a snowstorm. It wasn't supposed to snow that day, so it came on unexpectedly, hard and fast. The highway was relatively clear because of the constant traffic, but the heavy snowfall was already accumulating and freezing off the highway, which I discovered upon exiting. I stepped on my brakes to slow down at the red light ahead of me, where two cars were already waiting, but I began to slide. To avoid hitting the car stopped at the light, which I definitely would have if I hadn't changed directions, I turned my wheel and began sliding across the exit to the right side of the road. I was probably 25 yards across the street when I slid into a ditch. I was at a 45 degree angle and I was absolutely sure that my car was about to flip. I closed my eyes and braced for it, only to find myself on the cross street only a few seconds later, facing the right direction. I thought I possibly somehow drove the 25 yards onto the cross street, but I had already been mid-tumble with my eyes closed and would have somehow had to avoid the signs at the end of the exit which would have been a hard impact at what I estimate to be around 45 miles per hour. Now I'm legitimately entertaining the idea that I died in a parallel universe. 
So I was home alone and my dog was outside. I let him in after a while because I didn't want him to get distracted chasing squirrels. After he came in, I went into another room to watch TV. Then I heard my dog barking from outside the way he does when he wants to come in. I opened the door and it was my dog. I swear I had let him in 10 minutes ago and there's no way he could have gotten outside so quickly with nobody else there. We were moving states today. My husband has our kids in one car and I have our dogs in the other. They are about five or six miles ahead of me. As I am passing a rest stop, I notice the trunk of a black Ford Edge open and filled with boxes. I'm like, why'd they stop without telling me? There's a guy wearing jeans and a green waffle knit long sleeve at the back door of the driver's side, buckling a kid into a car seat. Okay, that's what my husband is wearing today and those are the contents of her trunk. I'm seriously annoyed that they didn't tell me that they were stopping and it's already too late to pull off. I call my husband and ask him why he didn't tell me. He has no idea what I'm talking about. They didn't stop and they're still a few miles ahead of me. So I work for a joinery company and was delivering a load to a construction site about an hour away from work. I'm playing a Reddit compilation video through my headphones. I was about 8 minutes into the video in the middle of town at a red light with a bad feeling of deja vu. The video started buffering. I thought it was odd since I had good reception but was going to wait it out. The light went green and a video played just long enough to say the word wait and started buffering again. I couldn't see anything at all. The road was clear but I thought I'd listen, look left, then right again and there was a massive semi that appeared out of nowhere and ran the red light. It would have taken out the driver's side of the cab and I would have been toast if I hadn't waited. Definitely reminded me of my own mortality. I have a thing that happened when I was a kid that some people may not consider a glitch, but... It was really weird, and it definitely seems like it was, in fact, a glitch in reality. Something happened, and I cannot explain it, so I'm submitting it, and if you think it's a glitch or glitch-worthy, then you're free to use it. This happened back when I was eight years old, and it was during the summer, so I was out of school and had a lot of time to do whatever I wanted to do. My dad stayed home during the summer while my mom worked, and he typically had the late shift. So, he would go in when she was getting home. That way, somebody was always there to watch me. On the day that this happened, my dad was asleep pretty late in the day, and I had gotten up pretty early and had jumped straight on to my Nintendo 64. I wasn't supposed to spend the whole day playing it, but no one was really watching me closely so I decided that I was going to play it until my dad got up and then figure out something else to do. Like I mentioned, I had been up pretty early and my dad was going to sleep until noon at the latest, so I had a few hours. I put in Glover and was playing through the levels, and when I looked over at the clock, I noticed that it was already noon. I decided to just go ahead and shut it off just in case my dad did get up, and then went and made myself a sandwich. 
after eating it. I was sitting there watching TV, just kind of waiting for my dad to get up, and getting bored with watching daytime television. After about 20 or so minutes, I started dozing off and decided that I wanted to take a nap, so I put my head down on the couch and dozed off. This is where things ended on my side, because I was obviously asleep. When I finally woke up, I got off the couch and walked into the kitchen and was surprised to see my mom at the table on the phone. I didn't realize that my nap had been so long that she had gotten home. She hung up the phone while staring at me like she was confused as soon as she saw me. I said hi and asked her what was wrong, and she started asking me where I was, what I'd been doing, and several other questions. I told her that I was asleep on the couch, and she said that that was impossible, and told me that I needed to tell her where I was. I kept telling her the same thing, that I was sleeping on the couch because it was the truth. That's where I had been the whole time. To keep this story fairly short and explain what happened, my dad woke up, and when he did, he couldn't find me. He looked throughout the house, and I was apparently nowhere to be found. He said that he looked in my bedroom, the living room, upstairs, and even in the basement, and he could not find me. He then called my friends that lived on my street to see if I had gone to their houses, and obviously I wasn't there. He called my mom and told her that I was seemingly missing, and she rushed home from work. When she saw me just walk into the kitchen like nothing had occurred, she was shocked. She had also checked all the rooms of the house, the yard, the shed, everything, and she had no idea where I was. It was the weirdest thing because they were within minutes of calling the police and reporting me as missing, but the whole time I was asleep on the couch in the next room. I wasn't covered up, I wasn't wearing something that would cause me to camouflage, and the room wasn't dark. Neither of my parents could find me, and I was right there. It was almost as if I just didn't exist. Now, I guess it's possible that they both could have somehow overlooked me on the couch, but it would be really weird to think that two adults could just not see a kid lying on the couch in the middle of a living room for multiple hours to the point that they were about to call the police. It almost seemed like I just disappeared from existence for a few hours and then came back whenever I woke up. My mom died 13 years ago. About four years ago, my dad went on vacation in Arizona with his girlfriend. He said he was up watching TV and the hotel phone rang. He answered it, said it was my mom's voice saying, I'm okay. He said, Cass? The phone went crackly and said, Heather, my name, I'm okay. He said his girlfriend was confused why the phone rang. He immediately called me even though it was late and he was crying. Dad doesn't believe in the supernatural, but still to this day cannot explain the call.
So I never really put too much merit into this matrix theory until I experienced it myself with my husband on my wedding day. I'm a 30 year old female and my husband is 32. In 2020, we were able to get married even during the pandemic and at a small backyard wedding of 20 people and got married at our local outdoor park for our vows. Everything was perfect that day. The sun was out, air was crisp, and more importantly, all our loved ones were around to listen to us exchange our vows. So after my now husband and I exchanged our vows, we proceeded to walk down the aisle towards our photographer, as I'm sure all couples do after getting married. We got some shots with everyone in the background as we walked away. Satisfied with the photos, the photographer went off to look at the next location that we were all walking to to do formal pictures with the whole family. We turned around to walk back to our families and give them hugs, but when we turned around, no one was moving, no noise, nothing, perfectly silent, just looking at us. My husband and I were alarmed, and my husband even made a joke, why is no one moving? Did we do something wrong? There was a solid 45 seconds of pure frozenness, then everything resumed. I've never experienced anything like that. There's simply no rational explanation for it other than a glitch in the matrix. Okay, so this just happened now. I ordered some photo card sleeves from Amazon a few days ago, and my package arrived today, exactly as I ordered, and I put them away. Then I came back from school and saw another package on my bed. I had bought an album that said it would come later than the sleeves, so I thought that was it. But no, it was more sleeves of exactly what I ordered. I then wanted to go check if somehow I dreamt my sleeves arriving and the sleeves themselves weren't where I left them, but the package that came in was in the bin and part of the sleeve packaging was still on my desk. I then went to go check the emails where I confirmed my order and I didn't somehow accidentally order two lots. I also checked and my bank balance hasn't changed, so I didn't end up reordering them on a separate occasion. It was the exact same amount, two softer sleeves, one harder sleeve. But also, the packaging is different, as in the label are two different fonts, and the cardboard packages are two different sizes. I have no idea how I could have misplaced the previous cards, or why I have more cards, on top of the fact that we never get two postman deliveries. It's just one time at 11 a.m. every day, while I left for school at 1.15 p.m. I'm generally so confused. Everything I'm about to describe came to light in the last 30 minutes. I'm a 49 year old female and I drove to my parents' house, 75 female and 78 male, to check on my dad. He was in the ER with chest pains earlier today and has since been discharged. Onto the glitch. My parents do not use Reddit and have no clue what glitch in the matrix means. After the dust settled on, is dad okay? My mom presented me with an envelope that was in their mailbox this week with my writing on it. No debate, this is my writing and exactly how I would address the card to my parents, front and back, including Shirley's temple stamps from my mom. Glitch 1 Postmark is from July 2016, Los Angeles, which tracks where I lived in 2016, but how did it take six and a half years to get to my parents' mailbox? 
Reasonable answers. The car got stuck in the postal bin or inside my parents' mailbox for six and a half years. Okay, then riddled me this. Glitch too. Yes, it's my handwriting on the envelope, but the card inside I've never seen. And based on the pop culture reference on the card, it's not a card I would send. And the message inside the card is my aunt's handwriting and signature. The card has been in transit for six and a half years and is from my mom's sister and addressed and sent by me. Reasonable explanation. My uncle, aunt's husband, my mom's brother-in-law, and my favorite uncle could have handed it off to me for mailing when he passed through LA. This explanation isn't totally wild because he travels a lot and we always find time for a dinner together whenever he's local and passing through. However, I have zero recollection of us ever getting together in my seven years in LA, nor any sort of card handoff. Plus, why would my aunt in Georgia give her husband a card to take to me in California to mail to my mom in Virginia? So Reddit, how did my mom receive a six and a half year old card mailed in my writing but sent from her sister on the day when my dad was in the hospital for a near-death experience? Also just noticed the happy birthday mo makes no sense. My mom's birthday is in November. The postmarks are July 2016. So this birthday wish was eight months late. I have a weird and kind of creepy glitch story that may be a case of quantum immortality. I'm really not sure. I can't say that I know a whole lot about simulation theory or glitches, and I know even less about what quantum immortality really entails, but I think that this falls into that category. In order to fully make sense of it all, I guess I need to explain what happened. This is not a situation that happened to me personally, it actually happened to my brother, and I'm a bit of a side victim to the situation. This is going to be a bit weird in structure, and I'm sorry for that, but I'm not really sure how to explain it all in a proper timeline, because the situation that caused it all happened about five years ago, and then I learned that the thing happened this past month and now I'm questioning everything from that moment forward. So, on that, five years ago there was a major incident in our family home. I was 16 at the time, and my brother was about to turn 18. It was the middle of winter, and it was getting pretty cold here in the Midwest. We had the heat on in the house, but my brother's room was in a separate room off to the side of the basement. The room was once a laundry room, but my dad had changed all of the hookups, so he had taken that room as his. Unfortunately, the basement did have issues with heat, so my brother had bought a small room heater to set up down there to keep it all as warm as the rest of the house. On the night that this happened, my brother had left his space heater on, and I don't really know if it was a short in the plug or the heater itself, but it ended up catching on fire. Now, I want to mention that I do not remember much about this night, beyond the house catching, me getting out, and the insanity and chaos that took place as the fire department put out the fire. 
I will say that while I don't remember much, there is one very specific detail that I don't recall anything about. And that is my brother. I don't remember him exiting the house, and I don't recall him ever being pulled out of the fire by anyone else. For some reason, his whereabouts after the fire started, for me, are completely unknown. I will say that I do remember him being home that evening, because he was there for dinner. We'd had pizza and he asked Dad to get wings for him, which he did. I don't know why I recall that specifically, but I do. But for some reason, I have zero knowledge, memory, or idea where he was after the fire started. On the other end of this is my brother and what he remembers. He says that he remembers being home that night, and surprisingly, he said that he remembers the fire. He said that he was in bed and he remembers a weird popping sound that actually made him jump out of bed. Then, he recalls the room getting really hot and smoky. He said that he tried to get out of the laundry room, but couldn't, because the fire was blocking him in. With how that laundry room was built, there were no windows or exits outside of the main door, and there was a decent amount of basement that existed between the laundry room and the stairs. Thinking about it, the old laundry room really should not have been used as a bedroom, but hindsight is twenty twenty. The whole thing that he told me sounds... horrible. He mentioned that he remembered starting to lose consciousness because of the smoke and heat, and that he tried as hard as he possibly could to get through the fire, but he remembers being horribly burned. And he has a very detailed memory of not making it to the stairs before collapsing. Now, obviously, that's not what happened, but he remembers it very thoroughly. He says that after he collapsed on the ground in the basement, in his mind, he kept hearing his own voice telling him that he was not going to die there, that he was going to make it. He said that it was like he was telling himself that he was going to be okay, that he was going to make it, and that he was going to get up, but it wasn't him. I know that sounds confusing, but it was like a third-party version of himself was yelling at him to wake up and get out. Then, he says that he jumped awake, but that's where things get really strange. He says that when he woke up, it was morning, and he was at his friend Derek's house. He says that he asked Derek how he got there, and Derek told him all about how he'd stayed over that night, how they'd been playing Call of Duty all night, and how they had pizza. He looked outside, and sure enough, his car was sitting in Derek's driveway. According to Derek, Derek's parents, and even my parents, he had been there all night. He wasn't home whenever the fire broke out, a fact that everyone was beyond grateful for. However, he completely and totally remembers being in the fire. And I remember some of what he actually said, that he was home when we had dinner, and I don't ever remember him leaving. He says that he was home. Everyone else says that he was out. And for me, there's just a huge blank in my memory for where he was or what happened to him. 
it's a crazy event that I cannot explain. But my brother sincerely believes that he died in that fire. He remembers the pain, the heat, but he was, by all official and known accounts, not home that night. Like I mentioned, I'm not sure if this is a glitch, but based on his recollection of the fire, and the fact that I can't remember where he was, it all seems like something went wrong here. Something about all of this really confuses me, and it makes me think how broken our simulation may actually be. This happened the other day, and it was seriously the weirdest thing that I have ever witnessed. It may not seem like much of an event, but it was certainly strange, and I have no idea how to actually explain it. I live on a side road that is attached to one of the main roads of my area, and they have the main road shut down partially due to construction. It's been going on for what feels like forever, but, thankfully, as of late, they've been making strides and getting it all finished. Because they're doing it in bursts and sections, they have to block off certain parts and turns and put up detours. But, it hasn't been much of a problem until they went into it this hard. When this happened, they had blocked off a rather large section a bit down the road to the right, after turning off my road onto the main one. It was basically set up to where, if you turned right off of my road, you would hit construction within a few moments and have to immediately turn around. There were no driveways, no side roads, nothing like that, so there were a lot of cars that were going that way and having to immediately turn back around. It was almost humorous because from the intersection, you could see that there was construction. Yet, people would still turn that way only to be sent back by the road being completely closed off. On to the event in question. My dad and I were sitting outside on the porch having a drink and enjoying the summer weather while talking about nothing in particular. We were watching people that went down the road and making a bet on how long it would be until we saw them make the U-turn and come back and laughing the whole time, mostly because, again, you could see the construction when you turned that way, and if you were paying attention, you could see that there was a whole section where there was no road at all. It was just broken down concrete blocked off by roadblocks. As we were sitting there, we saw a bright red Mustang head down the road. I made a comment that it was one hell of a car, because it was pretty clearly well-maintained and taken care of. Then, when it got to the stop sign at the end, they hit their blinker to the right. My dad and I both threw out a number of how many seconds it would be until we saw him turn around. He turned to the right and started down the hill, and we just sat there waiting. We were both counting out the seconds and watching, but we were genuinely surprised when we didn't see it come back. We were both kind of scratching our heads, like, how long is he going to sit at that road close sign and just watching? 
after a couple of minutes, we both decided to walk down to the end of the yard to look at where the road ends to see if he was seriously just sitting there. But when we went and looked, the Mustang wasn't there. Somehow, this guy had just disappeared, but there was no way that he would have taken that car off-road, and like I mentioned, there was nowhere to turn off of the road or go. It was completely and totally blocked. He didn't turn around like we weren't paying attention or anything like that, because we would have absolutely noticed the bright cherry red and very shiny Mustang. It was super weird. He was there, he turned right towards the construction, and then he was just gone. Neither of us had an explanation other than my dad joking about how it was a ghost car, and if that's the case, then there's a ghost out there that has damn good taste in cars and a decent amount of money to spend on one. Hello, this is Bad Vibes. Joining me today is Interscare Wifey. She will be reading two stories. Make sure to drop her a sub. Link will be in the pinned comment. Back in 2005 or 2006, I was renting this house that was a nearly 100 year old farmhouse. My bedroom was upstairs and for some reason it always creeped me out a little bit. It was as if I felt a presence there, although I hadn't had any actual paranormal experiences. One night, my then boyfriend and I had stayed up late watching TV and had fallen asleep on the couch. I had to work early the next day, so when I woke up around 3am, I decided to go upstairs to bed. I gently shook my boyfriend to get him to come upstairs, but he did not immediately follow. It was beginning to get light, so when I got to bed I pulled the cover up over my head to try to block out the light so I could sleep. This house was old and creaky, and I heard my boyfriend coming up the creaky stairs and walked down the hallway to the room not long after I had laid down. I could hear him come into the room and I felt the bed depress on his side as he sat down. But then he got up and then sat down further at the bottom of the bed. He did this, getting up and sitting down along the edge of the bed until he was sitting right next to me. I was annoyed at this point, wondering if this was some weird attempt to put the moves on me, when all I wanted to do was sleep. Then I felt his arm go across my waist, so I flung the blanket back up to ask him, what the fuck? But he wasn't there. I ran downstairs to see if maybe he was tricking me and he was still sound asleep on the couch. So I ran back upstairs, got into the blankets and shut my eyes tight until I fell asleep. For as long as I remembered in the house, I never had another experience, although the creepy feeling upstairs always remained. I'm not sure that what happened was real. It felt real. I don't think it was a lucid dream because I hadn't had time to fall back asleep yet. First, I'm going to start by saying that growing up in my parents' house, I've always felt a sense of unease or as if there was a presence there. My sister also felt the same way. Our house is located in an area where there used to be a lot of mines. One night, I fell asleep on the couch in the living room. 
The couch was beside the stairs and also facing the kitchen. I remember very clearly opening my eyes but not being able to move. I started hearing what sounded like a hundred footsteps running up and down the stairs behind me and then it went silent. I looked up into the kitchen and saw a dark silhouette of a woman standing in the kitchen facing away from me. I remember that she was about 5'3 and very skinny. She had very long fingers and she was crying. I then woke up to my sister playing with my dog in the living room beside me and then everything was normal. Another time I was sleeping in my room. I'm unsure if this would be considered sleep paralysis because it only happened for a split second. I remember I opened my eyes and there was a face directly in front of mine sideways facing me and it was laying beside me. The face was decomposing and the mouth was wide open like it was screaming in front of me. I immediately closed my eyes and when I opened them again, it was gone. I've always had sleep paralysis since I turned 18. I used to have it 6 to 10 times every night when I was 18 to 20 years old living in my old military dorm room. It always started the same way with the same entity. I would always see his torso and head covered in blue and green ink tattoos and his voice mocked me when I prayed. Literally sounded like the low toned voices horror movies depict of evil spirits. After about two years, I started having sleep paralysis maybe once or twice a month. I am now 37 and live in a new place in a different state. For the past three years now, I have had it every month, but it's always during a full moon. I know this because I kept a log of time and dates that occurred. I always wake up to see this dark figure standing in the doorway of my bedroom. It goes away when I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. It happens so frequently that I don't get scared anymore. Well, last night was weird. I was dreaming randomly about being in the bathtub. Nothing scary. Woke up because I felt like I needed to pee, then sleep paralysis hit me. I saw a man who looked dead because his eyes were grayish, with his back towards me. I panicked, closed my eyes and started praying. Once I regained full consciousness and control, I immediately opened my eyes and saw an 8 foot dark figure with red eyes standing in front of the doorway. I blinked several times and even rubbed my eyes, but it didn't go away. I felt so pissed because I felt violated. I began to rebuke it and it went away. I hate this. I don't know why this happens to me every full moon around 2 to 3 a.m. I have a feeling it sucks the positive energy or light out of me for whatever it needs it for. I'm so sick and tired of it. Anyone else feel this way or had similar experiences? Update. I put some small crosses at every entrance on the second floor, on each window, doorway, and staircase. My room is on the second floor directly above the living room and adjacent to the stairway. Last night I woke up because I heard a man laughing. It was so crystal clear. I wasn't dreaming because when I woke up I continued to hear it for about 3 more seconds or so. The laugh was not like someone laughing at a joke. It sounded condescending, mean, 
or mocking. I looked at the time and it was 2.50 a.m. It sounded like it came from the first floor where our kitchen and living room is. Wondering if it's laughing because the crosses I put on the second floor wouldn't let it pass. I also checked aside from our security cameras and no one was out there. Plus I live in a very secluded area. The other night around 3 a.m. I started to experience some sleep paralysis. This is normal for me. I often have sleep paralysis and although it's uncomfortable, it isn't necessarily abnormal. This particular night, I started feeling something wrap around me, like a snake, but it felt evil. I was sleeping on my stomach and the thing was on top of me and wrapping me in its arms, so maybe more like an octopus at this point. After a bit of this, I noticed that the thing is actually just a snake-like octopus version of my friend. The body is my friend, the face is my friend, with the hand suffocating and constraining me. I wake up completely for a short period of time, but was unable to stay awake. I fell back asleep and into the paralysis again. Same shit. This also happens to me quite often. I try to fight my sleep paralysis and lose. Once waking up, I remember the friend I was dreaming of is more than likely awake because they had to work the night shift. I texted my friend and told him of my experience. When he tells me just had the strangest thing happen to him. He swears he saw someone walking and disappearing behind this small shed near the woods while he was outside on a smoke break at 3am. Probably just a coincidence, but I thought I would share. To set the scene, it was my spouse, our two-year-old, and myself in a one-bedroom apartment. Two-year-old's bed was close to the wall by the door. Our bed was on the other side of the room. I could see our two-year-old, but also see the bathroom door, which was located just outside the room. It first started out with minor bad feelings. The usual walk into the apartment and feel something off. Bad vibes all around. One night while we were sleeping... I had woken to a strange feeling that our two-year-old was up to something that she shouldn't have been. The room was completely dark, so I sit up to have a look around, and almost immediately this small shadow catches my eye. It's my two-year-old. She's standing at the entrance of the bathroom looking back at me, and then proceeded to sidestep into the bathroom out of my view. I wake up my significant other and ask them, Wake up! Why is two-year-old out of their bed? How do they climb out? She said, what are you talking about? Two-year-old is in their crib asleep. My eyes finally adjusted to the dark and I see my two-year-old sleeping peacefully in their crib. My heart starts picking up pace at this point as I'm trying to figure out who did I just see walk into our bathroom. I get out of bed and rush to the bathroom ready to catch whoever it is. I flip on the light, but the bathroom is empty. It's just me staring at my reflection in the mirror. I turn off the light and head back to bed confused about what just happened, but not too sure what I saw. Fast forward a few nights and I'm still thinking about what happened. There I am in bed next to significant other with two-year-old sleeping sound. Again, I wake up to this strange feeling like we're being watched. 
I open my eyes, my body is still. I'm paralyzed, trapped in my own body. My eyes search across the room and I look at the door to our bedroom and what I saw made my heart drop. There was this man at our bedroom door. Something about him was completely off like he was something otherworldly in a man's body. He was more shadow than detail and his posture was hunched like he was trying to be quiet, like he was stalking his prey. The shadow man begins to creep towards me, lurching closer to our bed. My mind is racing, I'm thinking, tonight's the night. An invader has finally entered our home and I was the only one awake. I start planning my attack and what I'm going to do to defend my family, but my body is still immobilized. The intruder then does the unthinkable. He places one foot on my bed, then the other, and slowly starts creeping higher and higher up the bed. He's standing over me, and in the quick moment of fear, I was able to break out and kick both of my legs up towards the shadow man, hoping to catch him by surprise and ready to leap at him. As I kicked up, I felt the weight of my blanket fly off my body. I wasn't going to wait to hear the sound of a thud as he fell back. I was in fight or flight, and my only focus was on jumping on this thing as fast as possible and keeping my family safe. My violent kick wakes my significant other up in a panic. I get up ready to pounce when I see that there's no one there. What the hell is going on? She said. There was a man in our room. I kicked the shit out of him. He was right there. The room is empty and dark. No man, no intruder, no sound. The silence is broken by my wife telling me to check the rest of the apartment. And after I look around, there was no one else there. I go back to bed and try to sleep, but my adrenaline was still pumping, so sleep wasn't really on the table. A few months after this event, we decided to move and upgrade to a bigger place to live, and since moving, there hasn't been any of the bad vibes as in the apartment. No shadow man, no little girl, just the three of us, thankfully. I have a friend, 27 male, who told me a fascinating story about lucid dreaming. He explained that his father had taught himself to lucid dream every night, a skill I was highly envious of. His father taught him how to do it when he was 15 or so by drawing dots on his hands and looking at them throughout the day so that eventually when he was dreaming, he could look at his hands and not see the dots, allowing him to realize he was dreaming. This is a common technique for inducing lucid dreams and something that I tried, but never long enough to actually stick to it. As a teenager, he learned to lucid dream on command, just like his father every night. He explained that it was more thrilling than any drug he'd ever taken because he had full control over every scenario. He could construct any environment of his wildest imagination. He could have sex with any person he imagined, obtain superpowers like flying, invisibility, teleport to any place he wanted, or visit alien worlds, etc. It was pure bliss, and he explained to me that he ended up sleeping all throughout the day at times because his dream world was more exciting than reality. He did this every night for more than a year or so, until things started to get strange. He told me that he started to notice a hooded figure in the periphery of his vision. But whenever he tried to look at the figure, it would walk out of his field of vision. 
The figure first appeared very far away in the distance from him, but every night after the first sighting, the hooded figure would return to his dream, closer to him, and still always outside his central view. He could never really focus on the figure or see its face, so he couldn't tell if it was supposed to be human or something else. Once the figure started appearing closer to him, he would be filled with an overwhelming sense of dread and felt less control over his dream environment. He finally felt terrified to fall asleep, knowing that the figure would get even closer and seemingly harm him as he sensed the evil nature of this faceless figure. He ended up fighting sleep every night to prevent dreaming and turned into an insomniac, which he still is to this day. He told me he doesn't lucid dream anymore, and I'm not sure how he unlearned it, but he hasn't seen the hooded figure since. Pretty creepy story that really stuck with me and a caveat to trying to learn to lucid dream every night. You might still grow to regret it when things get out of your control. So to start off, I wanted to explain that I suffer from bipolar disorder and I deal with many sleepless nights because of it. I have experienced sleep paralysis so many times in my life since I was a little kid that I never kept count. When I was little, I was absolutely terrified. I wouldn't be able to move and there would just be this dark silhouette of a person standing nearby. The distance would vary from each experience. The most terrifying one that stuck with me was when I was maybe 10 years old. The figure was standing on my chest and I had difficulty breathing. I never understood why this was happening to me. Then as I got older, my fear turned into rage. Instead of wanting to scream out of terror, I was trying to let out a war cry and would try to charge the figure, but to no avail. I turned 21 and I had stayed up playing games all night. When I finally drifted off, there was a figure, but this time it was different. Again, I was filled with so much rage and all I wanted to do was attack this mysterious figure. I managed to lift my arms towards it. It took a step back and I woke up. That was the first time I saw it move. I then went a very long time without suffering from sleep paralysis till my wife left me unexpectedly when I turned 29. My grief consumed me. I spent many nights sobbing without sleep. Then one night when I finally did fall asleep, after being prescribed a powerful sleep aid, the figure returned. Except it was more aggressive this time and it was no longer just a shadow, but it would still never let me see its face. Still filled with rage, I would try to charge it, but my movement was very slow and it took so much effort just to lift a finger. It grabbed me by my foot but to its shock, I grabbed its hand back. I tried to pull myself up using all the strength I had. Just before I could, it shoved its hand over my face, blocking my view. I then bit its hand as hard as I could. I completely woke up shortly after that. So far, it hasn't returned, but that was only a few months ago. I'm sure that isn't the last encounter I'll have. Every time I have these episodes, I make it a goal to defeat whatever it is, and I will grow stronger every time I face it. Given my bipolar condition, this could just be my imagination since I don't have a very good self-image. I don't claim to know what it is or what's happening to me, 
but what I do know is, I will not stop fighting this until I defeat it, or it leaves me forever. If anyone's had similar experiences, how have you fought back? To be clear, I have had sleep paralysis before, but never like this. In fact, I think this is the first time that I've truly experienced it, because usually what I do is just snap out of it. I think to myself, get angry, get angry, and I could shake off the sleep paralysis because it usually felt like an intense amount of fear, but not this time. I woke up this morning, or thought I did, and my body was vibrating. I could hear a buzzing sound. I was laying on my left side, and it was so weird. Why can't I move? No way, I can sort of move. It was a lot of effort, but I managed to move my body slightly, but it seemed like it wanted to stay in that position because it returned to it, and the buzz sound continued. What the fuck is that sound? Aliens? Holy fuck, am I probed? I have to see, that's awesome, but I have to see. I blame seeing scenes from Signs and the abduction clip in VHS these days. But yeah, for the chunk of the panic moment, I was thinking irrationally, I'm gonna see aliens. So I put everything into turning around and looking up. I mean everything. The buzzing just keeps intensifying as I made even more of an effort to turn. So it was a really intense fight to move. To me it was like I was in a force field and I was breaking through, teeth bare, eyes trying not to fall asleep. I was thinking, take a fighting stance, get ready to throw a punch. I used to box so I'm thinking, if I see something I have to punch it. In all of this, the buzzing is going insane in my head. It's like having an industrial fan going full speed on both sides of your head. And again, this is funny because in retrospect, I probably looked like I was just turning around very slowly in bed. To me, this was an epic moment. At one point, I think I momentarily fell asleep again, then woke up again. It was so stupidly intense that I was laughing in bed so much from it. This happened about two years ago. My father had passed about 10 years before and I kept his watch next to my bed. I live alone with two rescue kitties that sleep with me, and whenever I have a scary dream, seeing them next to me calms me down, and I realize it's just a dream. So, I go to sleep on Wednesday about 9.30pm. While I'm sleeping, I feel the watch next to me, and something in my room that keeps referring to the watch, but not in words. Then I hear it, can you do me a favor? I'm frozen, I can't move, and I'm thinking this isn't my father, but referring to the watch was to trick me. I'm screaming in my mind, no. It asks again, can you do me a favor? I can't see, but I feel it in the room. I'm getting angry at this point. How dare this thing try to trick me into using my dad's watch? It's not my dad, I know that. I was trying really hard to move and getting angry. It asked me again, can you do me a favor? But I wake up and yell no. I look at the time and it's midnight. My cats are nowhere to be seen and now I'm even more mad that this thing scared my poor cats. 
I staged the place, saying, you're not welcome, and to get out. I get back to sleep, and I wake up still mad. I tell everyone about what happened. I'm not sure how that thing got into my house. Later that evening, I found out that a woman I work with died Wednesday afternoon, and she lived alone. She was supposed to start at work at midnight, the time I woke up. Also, she always used the phrase, can you do me a favor? I felt terrible knowing that she was alone, dead, trying to tell me. I had never had anything happen like that before. I felt some guilt, but when I told people at work, her trying to contact me made me feel better. Not really scary, but it did make me feel better about her death. Another girl at work found her body, since she wasn't the type not to show up without calling. It was a very sad time. Hey, this is Bad Vibes, and if you made it this far in the video, thank you. I'm going to tell two experiences that I had with sleep paralysis. So if you don't want to hear those, you can click off. These are the two experiences that stood out to me the most and the ones that made me have the most fear. I never once saw a shadow figure or anything like that. These were also the first and last time I ever had sleep paralysis. So for the first time, at this point I had never heard of sleep paralysis. I had no clue it was a thing, didn't know what it was. And that's what made this so scary. This was when I was living with my in-laws. I was in bed, my wife sleeping next to me, and I woke up. I was laying on my back, and I opened my eyes, and I'm staring at the ceiling. And I was freaking out at this point because I couldn't move, and I had no idea what was going on. So I'm just laying there. I could move my eyes slightly, but that's it. And I'm just thinking in my head, what's going on? Why can't I move? And then I realized I couldn't move my mouth either. I don't know how long it lasted, but I finally, um, I guess fell asleep. Well, fully asleep. The next day I tell my father-in-law about it and my wife, and they look at me like I'm crazy. Like that's not a thing, that doesn't, that didn't happen. But anyways, I eventually found out what sleep paralysis was, and I had it some more in that house, but it, since I knew what it was, it wasn't really scary, it was more annoying. Well, the last time I had it, it was two days after moving into our first apartment. So the place was unfamiliar. I was laying in bed and I had my door open and you can see from my bed all the way to the front door. I wake up, can't move, same old, same old. But then my stupid brain goes into thinking, what if someone breaks in? What am I gonna do? Like, how am I gonna protect my kids and wife? And I'm just staring at the front door, just staring at it. And it's playing tricks on me at that point. So I'm basically causing myself to have a panic attack. Don't know if I eventually snapped out of it or I fell back asleep. I can't remember that part of it. But I just freaked myself out so bad, feeling helpless. And that was the last time I had sleep paralysis. Anyways, thanks for watching.